Good morning. What a blessed Resurrection Sunday this is. Welcome to Driven to the Cross Radio Ministries as an outreach of Christ's Covenant Church here in McAllen, Texas. I'm Dr. Alfred Fisher, and I'm so glad that you joined us today. Let us pray for a moment. Father in heaven, Father, I come to you on this Resurrection Sunday, a day that is often seen as one of the few times that many people venture into a place of worship. Lord, I ask that you would forgive us of our transgressions, move upon our hearts and our minds, instill in us a passion and a hunger for you. Lord, in this time of crisis in our country, I ask that this day, would be one that commemorates your resurrection, that this day would revive the hearts of man for your glory, that we, as those who profess to follow you, would seek to be made more like you in every instance in our lives. Thank you, Father, for hearing us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, as it is Resurrection Sunday, it is different from every other Sunday that we've celebrated this. You see, for those of you listening, you're probably self-quarantining, trying to adhere to the government regulations and the social distancing, trying to adhere to things that keep your family physically healthy. Across this nation, churches are empty when they would normally be full. I want to ask you a question. Has your passion for Christ increased or decreased in this time? Many people who are devout believers have said that this has been a blessing to them because they've had opportunity to reconnect to their family. You see, God moves in mysterious ways, dear hearer. Those who are devout in their faith are still able to be a light unto the world. I want to take you today into a section of Scripture that is commonly referred to as the seven last words of Christ. It has to do with His time upon the cross. But there's one section of Scripture in there, one phrase, that I really want to focus on today. That phrase is, I thirst. So, if you will... In the Gospel of St. John, chapter 19, I want to take you, starting at verse 25 and following, hopefully we can glean something from this that will allow us to see that everything that God does, there is a purpose. Starting at verse 25, it reads, now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother, and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Thus then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, 
the disciple took her unto his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon his, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. On the surface, that phrase, I thirst, might appear to just display the human element of Christ. It might display the fact that, well, he was thirsty. But, let us look also at what he was given. Look at what he was given. It says in verse 29, Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. Now, why is this important? Well, it fulfills Scripture. I'm going to show you how it fulfills Scripture here in just a moment. But I want you to understand that this vinegar was basically a rancid wine. And there was a, an eastern vinegar that um, was known to quench thirst. But that's not what they, they gave him. You see, the Romans during this time, when they would have the, these crucifixions, it was brutal. It was not a passionate thing. It was done as part of their malice, part of the mistreatment of those who were being put to death, part of the punishment. But further than that, on, while on the surface it does display the very aspect of the human nature of Christ, that he did hunger, that he did thirst, this fulfills Scripture. Well, if we look into the book of Psalms, chapter 69, I want to read to you something that might help further explain what I'm talking about. In Psalm 69, and if we start at, oh, let's start about verse 19. Thou hast known my reproach and my shame and my dishonor, my adversaries all before thee. Reproach hath broken my heart, I am full of heaviness. And I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They gave me also gall for my meat. And in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. You see, that, that David, the psalmist here, is giving a messianic prophecy. But what is so important for us to realize in this is that not one jot, not one tittle would pass away that Christ did not fulfill. The word, the law of God, the things written in the Holy Word are of such importance that nothing was missed. His passion for the law, his passion for the things of his Father were so paramount in his life and in him being God that he did not let one thing slip. Now, my question for you as I just made that statement, is what is 
your passion? Where does God rank on your passion on this Resurrection Sunday? Is it just a day in which you put on a new dress or new shoes? You dress up typically in the finest that you have. And you go and you celebrate. And people come to church and they do an Easter egg hunt and they follow the traditions, the things that have been set out, that we've done over time. Or is your passion such that as you call upon God, you cannot help but know He is near? Are the things that God has done in His Word so precious to you that you actually want to please Him with every breath? Now, what is interesting here is that many of us, as believers, just tag, if you will, the title of Christian. We tag the thing, we ascribe it to us, we attach it to us, that, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I go to church. But is it who we are? Are we actually a Christian? Now, what is of importance going back to the Scripture, is that as Christ said, I thirst, He also was doing something more. Be and I say that because when we look at Scripture, we have to know that it's not put in there without a purpose. As sin entered the world through meat, through eating, consumption, outside of the will of God, so it is finished in the statement. There was a great reformer uh, back in the 1500s. Uh, but he died in about 1582, and he wrote a series of books called The Sufferings of Jesus. Uh, his name was, was Tome de Sue or was also titled The Thomas of Jesus. What's interesting about this statement that I'm going to read to you from him, and I rarely do this, but I felt that I could not convey it any more eloquently than what he did. He wrote a series of books, or a book titled The Sufferings of Jesus, while he was in prison, in prison in Morocco. Now, let me, let me read this to you. And I thought it was so apt. It says, Gall for my meat. Since the life of sin first began in tasting, contrary to the obedience due to God, the Redeemer of sinners willed to be obedient even unto death upon the cross. And to the end of his life, in fulfillment of the prophecy, with that bitter taste of gall and vinegar, that in this manner, we seeing the beginning of our perdition and the end of our redemption, might feel ourselves to be most sufficiently redeemed and most perfectly cured. What does that mean? He is so 
clear that as sin entered in through the tasting outside of the will of God, so through the fulfillment of Christ upon the cross and this little prophecy found in Psalm 69 saying, I thirst, where they gave him the gall and the vinegar to drink, fulfilled redemption. Because you notice back in John, the next statement that Jesus said, it is finished. Now, dear friends, what is my point? But simply that the Word of God will become manifest in our lives when we adhere in the times of trouble, in the times of peace. It will become manifest and bear the fruit. Nothing, nothing in our lives is without meaning, importance, consequence. Now, now you may say, well, but that was Jesus. Yeah, that was Jesus. Well, I'm not Jesus. No, you're not. I'm not. But he gave his commandments that we might be like him. And on this Resurrection Sunday, what better place to be than in the heart and the mind of Christ? For it is upon that cross that the propitiation for our sins was made that we would have redemption. And yet, it didn't end upon the cross. That was the place in where He paid the penalty. And yet today we celebrate the resurrection, right? After three days, He was risen from the tomb. After three days, he had conquered death. After three days, he was made alive. And the story goes on. That, let me take you back to John. I, I, I want to show you something. That even in the physical death of Christ, there was more that was fulfilled by God regarding Christ. Now, why would I bring that up? I, I bring that up simply for this reason. There are those skeptics who would say, well, Jesus must have known all these different things, and so he orchestrated all these events. He orchestrated these things so that he would appear to be the Messiah. Well, I assure you that's not the case. But now, look with me back in the Gospel of John in chapter 20, or chapter 19. The Jews, therefore, because it was a preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. Well, then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first and the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. 
But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record, and his record is true. And he knoweth that he saith true for this reason, that ye might believe. For these things were done, that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again another scripture saith, They shall look upon him whom they pierced. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. And he came therefore and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. And they took the body of Jesus, and wound it in linen clothes, with the spices, as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus. Therefore, because the Jews' preparation day for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. You see, even that prophecy was fulfilled. That not one bone would be broken. Now you can look this up historically. You can go and read about the crucifixions of, that the Romans performed. You can read about these things. There's a book titled, A Short Life of Christ. And what's interesting about this book is that it gives three different accounts, it, it give, or perspectives, I should say. It, it gives a Christian perspective, a Jewish perspective, and the Roman perspective. I would encourage anyone to go and pick up that book, A Short Life of Christ. It's fantastic. But further than that, we who celebrate the resurrection of Christ should do so every time we gather. You see, that's why we have communion. That's one of the reasons why we have communion. But also, you see, for far too long, we as believers have relegated the end stone, the capstone there, of His resurrection to one day a year. What we should do is recognize that we come together, we worship the living God, the one who conquered sin and death, the one who was the propitiation for our sin, the one who beat Satan. He did so by fulfilling the law of God. He was truly man and God. Why is this important? Because if he had not conquered death, if he had not risen from the grave, he would not be Christ. Many of us forget how passionate he was about the things of God. How passionate he is about the things of God. He said that I do the things in which I see my Father do. So herein is a question again for you. Do you do the things that you see your Father do? For he is your father in heaven, right? 
Do you do the things that Christ would direct you to do? Now, if you will, turn with me to the book of 1 John. And we're going to go to 1 John chapter 2. And then we're going to go into another section of Scripture here in just a moment. But when we address this book of 1 John, there's something I want you to understand. It was written to address Gnosticism, those who denied the reality of. The opening salvo in 1 John says that what we have seen, what we have handled, what we have tasted, what we have felt with our own hands, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he says these things so that we would know that he was real. But in 1 John chapter 2, I want to start at verse 1, and I want you to hear what I'm saying to you. Because as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, we must also recognize that we must be obedient to Christ. Otherwise, why would you celebrate it? Why would you embrace the resurrection? Why would you call yourself a Christian if you're not going to adhere to his teachings? This Resurrection Sunday is so different from ones we've celebrated in the past as I stated earlier, because churches are closed. But I want to, I really want to get this across to you that we must never cease from celebrating his resurrection in our lives. Listen to verse 1 and following of 1 John chapter 2. My little children, these things I write, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is a propitiation for our sins, and not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby, now, now notice, before I read any further, it says that he is the payment. He paid in full. He was the propitiation for our sins. And not just ours, but that of the whole world. That's what the Bible says. But now notice the qualifier. And hereby. So what does that mean? That simply means by this. And hereby we do know that we know Him. If we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know that we are in him. Dear friends, as you hear those words, we are instructed that if we are truly to be believers in Christ, it is made known by the facts that I just read to you. Let me read that again. And hereby we do know that we know Him, if we keep His commandments. Well, that means we have to be obedient. And we have that obedience through knowledge. Well, what knowledge? Well, the Word of God. What Word of God? The Bible. If we say that we know Christ, we are to keep His commandments. 
Well, that, that means that we have to love our neighbor as ourselves. We have to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our mind, our soul. He is not to be an afterthought. He is not to be something that is ascribed. Brothers and sisters, He died upon the cross of Calvary that the world might be redeemed. He died upon the cross of Calvary as it was written. If we go back into Isaiah 53, a very common set of Scripture that is utilized around this time, that of the suffering servant. He was wounded for our transgressions. Hear me on this. If Christ, and He was, the suffering servant, can we expect no less? We have been slightly impositioned in this time of self-quarantine. We've been slightly impositioned, but yet we still have running water. We still have electricity. We still have food. We still have necessities. And we have the freedom in this country to worship the one true living God, to follow Him, to read His Word, to pray, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ on this very day. Do you keep His commandments? Do you adhere to what He said? Or do you try and make up your own? Have you created an idol in your own mind by saying, oh, my Jesus wouldn't do that? Your Jesus wouldn't do what? Stand up for the Word of God? Well, the Bible says that he did. He wouldn't go and minister to the leper or to the adulterer, to the druggard, to the drunkard, to the widow, to the orphan. He wouldn't meet the needs? Yes, he would. But also, but also on this, we often create a an idol in our minds because we seek to not be offended or convicted. We seek to justify ourselves. And what we must do is recognize that it is only Christ who can justify us. So my challenge for you today, as we draw this message to a very abrupt closing, because there's so much more I would really like to get into, but you can, if you tune into us on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock on our Facebook and live stream on YouTube, uh, you'll get more of this and in much more detail. But, brothers and sisters, my challenge for you is to look and see who your Christ is. Is he a Christ that just justifies your own actions? Is he a Christ that turns the other cheek and says, oh, it's okay, you can do what you want? Or is he the Christ who is portrayed clearly throughout the contents of Holy Scripture that adheres completely to the Word of God? who came and fulfilled the law of God, who came and died upon Calvary's tree, was buried, 
resurrected, and ascended to the Father, who promised that he would return and also provided a comforter, the Holy Spirit, left for us. Now that comforter is not one of self-justification, no, don't misunderstand. That comforter is the one who shows the things of God, reveals them to you, and guides you. My prayer for you is that as you look at these things, that you actually begin to thirst for the things of God. Let me read that quote to you again in closing in hopes that well, and hopes that it will stir your heart. Gall for my meat, since the life of sin first began in tasting, contrary to the obedience due to God, the Redeemer of sinners, willed to be obedient even unto death upon the cross and to the end of his life. In fulfillment of the prophecy, with the bitter taste of gall and vinegar, that in this manner, we, seeing the beginning of our perdition and the end of our redemption, might feel ourselves to be most sufficiently redeemed and most perfectly cured. Tom de Jesus, in 1582, from the sufferings of Jesus. Now, dear friends, I would encourage you to check out our website, ChristCovenantMcCallan.org. Check out our YouTube and our Facebook in this time on Sunday mornings at 11. And feel free to email us questions, as well as, if this is a blessing to you, please feel free to support us as we seek to serve our risen King. May every day be a resurrection day for you. May the grace imparted to you by Jesus Christ and the redemptive power that He provides be a blessing in your life. May you be encouraged, may you be strengthened, and may you truly celebrate the resurrection. Thank you for listening. God bless you.